Welcome tonight. It's good to have you here for our midweek service. Our midweek service is to, <coughs> to give us opportunity to pray, encourage, and remind us about prayer. Um, we need to, yeah, I remember being a, a young boy and, and just learning how to pray, and especially praying by myself. And I don't know if you experience this now, but uh, when you pray by yourself, and when you talk aloud, it's an exercise in faith. You have to recognize that God is there and that he hears you pray. And that, so it's, 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 it's a, uh, it is a strengthening, an exercise of our, of our faith to know that we're not just talking to empty space. We're speaking to a God we cannot see who works in, in great ways. And uh, um, we bring our requests, we bring our praise to him. If I can draw your attention tonight to Psalm 46, encouragement to pray. Psalm 46. I'm going to look at the beginning of the psalm and the end of this psalm and challenge us to memorize the uh, two verses from this psalm. Psalm 46. So we're going to read it together. We're going to read verse 1 together and read from the ESV. If you have it, say amen. All right. Let's read verse 1 together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. All right. Read that again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we're reminded of the truth from God's word as we come tonight to pray. God is our refuge and strength. What does refuge mean? It's, it's a, a, a place of protection. It's a place of hiding. It's a place of security. Little children... Uh, when they're walking with their mom, if they get in trouble, guess what they do? They hide behind mom. She is refuge. Um, uh, if you're a police officer and you're protecting someone and there's no place for that person to go, guess what they do? You shield them with your body. They go behind you. Uh, God is our refuge. He is our safe place. It says he's our refuge and our strength. So he is the one that, that gives us life. He's the one that gives us strength. And we acknowledge, excuse me, we acknowledge that each day, and we acknowledge that as we pray. It's like this. I need you, Lord. <laughs> I can't live without you. I don't have strength apart from your strength. He is our refuge and strength. Then it says this, a very present help in trouble. I like that, the way that lays out. Oftentimes, we think that God doesn't answer our prayer on time because we have some instances when we ask for something and we didn't get it. You know what that reminds me of? I watch my grandchildren walk around here, and when they're often, this shouldn't happen, but oftentimes when they're young, they get spoiled. And just because they can't have something, they pout. Because mom or dad didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. 
But I know when I look at them, they're well fed, right? They're cared for. If they get sick, they will get immediate attention from mom, from dad. They will get the food they need. And they will get the love, including discipline. This is another side of love that they absolutely need. And yet, if they don't get a piece of candy, if they don't get a toy, if they don't get the thing that they want when they want, they, they, they pout and say, see, I didn't get it. We have a tendency to do that as God's children, to think about God and in, 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 in that he's disappointed something that we've wanted and not realize that he has given us absolutely everything we need. We do not deserve to be breathing right now. We do not deserve to be alive right now. We deserve hell. That's the reality. I deserve God's judgment. You think that's too harsh for me? No, God doesn't. But God extends his grace to me. Now it says here he's a very present help in time of trouble. That means that I can call on him in trouble, and he invites me to do just that. <clears throat> There's another chapter I wanted to get into. Maybe I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. Look at chapter 50, Psalm 50. <clears throat> it starts off talking about God, the mighty one. God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. <coughs> he, he's addressing people. He's addressing the earth. I think he makes two addresses here, and I want to get into that a little bit. Um, verse 7, hear, O my people, and I will speak. So he speaks to his people. And then in verse 16, it says, but to the wicked, God says. So he addresses two, two different groups of people here. And when he speaks to his people, he chides them. He, he, he challenges them because they have not worshipped him with a true heart as they should. And they don't think of him as they should. And they tend to think that, well, look what he says in verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? He's saying, I don't need your sacrifice. I don't need anything from you to sustain me. I'm self-sustained. He says, but I've called you to worship me um, because of who I am, not because of what I need. So he says, verse 14, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And then he says this, and call upon me in the day of trouble. That's why I went to this verse. Even though he chastises his people, he says, I want you to call upon me. That's, that's part of their problem. Uh, we would think that if God is going to, to, to deal with his people, he's saying, all right, I done told you, don't call on me no more. He doesn't do that. He says, your problem is you don't call on me enough. In other words, you're not exercising your faith that I am who I say I am by calling on me. So after he corrects them, he says, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to call on me. 
So going back to Psalm 46 where he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's saying we need to go. We need to call on him. So that's one of the verses I want us to, to memorize. Psalm 46, 1. So read that again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Tonight, what ways are you going to call upon God and go to him as a very present help in times of trouble? We have issues today that nobody else can fix except God. And God is saying, that's who I am. Come to me. Worship me. Praise me. Pray to me. Ask of me. And then I like verse 10. Um, you'd have to read through the whole chapter to get the sense. But he's saying, I am the great, unique, only God. And then in verse 10 he says, be still and know that I am God. Let me, let me go back to verse 2. Um, remember what verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. All of these things in nature are, are just awesome um, in their impact and effect on us. But he's saying, even though we see these great things, because we go to God for strength and for refuge, for shelter, we will not fear the things of life that can happen to us, that can terrify us. We will not fear. And so we, we said this before, um, fear is a lack of faith, and faith replaces fear. That there is no fear when we have faith in God. And we have to understand fear is not an, an absence of or a threat of anything. When we're threatened with something, we, we, we know that threat is real and, and it does shake us. But what it does is, in a believer, we turn to the Lord and we fully trust in Him. We rest in Him. We don't go trying to uh, um, take care of that issue or that problem in our own strength. We know that that's, that's just useless. We run to the Lord, and we trust in him. So he says, we will not fear, though the earth gives way in verse 2. <coughs> he goes on to say um, how great God is in verse 6. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Wow. God speaks and just brings everything to, to an end and to silence. And he says, that's the God we serve. Verse 8, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. So God has stepped in in the case of his people, and he has protected them. And then it says this at the end of that, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. He's saying quiet yourself and reflect on who God is in his awesome power. That's why we read God's word, is to get a sense for God. If you just go through your day and you're not reading God's word, 
you see the news, you see your job, you see the day-to-day -day activities, and it's easy to forget who God is. And, and he's reminding us of him. There's nothing to compare to him. And we're reminded of who he is. We need to be reminded as we come to prayer tonight. So he says, be still and know that I am God. And then this is, this is what I like at the end of this. I will exalt, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still and know who I am and then recognize what I will do, all right? Who I am right now, I am God. What will I do? I will be exalted among the nations. What does that mean? Is God exalted among the nations now? Only partly and in this way. Believers from every tongue, every, every tribe, every nation, people are, are being brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ from all of these people groups. But by and large, the world, the whole world in its entirety is in rebellion against God. And we see that every day. God is not ultimately right now being exalted in the nations. The word nations is plural, and he's saying completely throughout, I am going to be exalted. I'm not right now, but I will be exalted. And then he says this to the, just to, to highlight and emphasize, I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying this whole planet this whole creation of mine on this earth is going to one day exalt me. It's going to turn its face towards me and worship me for who I am. He says that day is coming. Be still and know who I am right now, but recognize what's going to happen in the future. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Right now, it's like you got to whisper to people about who God is. It's almost like it's quiet. Don't, don't say it too loud. We don't want other people to hear that we're believers in the Lord. But he's saying, no, it's not going to be like that. I will be exalted among the nations. People will recognize God for who he is ultimately. What does that mean? It doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. It doesn't mean that that every person in every nation is turning to the Lord. No, it means this, that God is bringing his people out of every group in every nation, and he's bringing them to exalt him to where he is going to get the glory in his kingdom as he should. Last, year we talked, last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to happen where his will is going to be worked out here on earth through his people. God is going to get his praise. Why does that encourage me so much when I pray? Because I know that God's plan is being completed, even when we only see glimpses and touches of it right now. I, I look at our church and I say, God, why are so many wicked people, um, people who don't serve you, prospering in their jobs, uh, running their businesses. They, they don't have a hurt for money. They don't have a hurt for their, their success. And, and they have all these things happening. What they need, they get. What they don't have, they, they find a way to get it. Why is all that happening? We suffer. 
We work hard. We, we're in hardship after hardship after hardship. Well, why is that, I ask sometimes. And, and God says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in earth. This church right now, Little Sweet Communion, tucked away in a corner somewhere, half the people around the neighborhood hardly know we exist. Even though we've been out, we've preached the gospel, we've taken this everywhere. But it's just not on their radar. It's just not. If you think about the things that are happening in Milwaukee, it just doesn't seem like what God is doing is, is all that big, or all that great. But it is. It is. Because it's impacting and changing lives. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What God has created is going to come and worship and praise, lift up worship and praise to him. In that day, in his kingdom, he will get the glory. And those of us who worship and praise him will finally say, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. To God be the glory. May that encourage you as you pray today. Evening. In our meditation, we will go and continue in Micah. Chapter 4. There's 13 verses. So I will read a verse, and then you'll read a verse. Everybody who has an ESV version, okay? Y'all ready? It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for nations far away and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord of our God forever and ever. And the lame I will make the remnant, and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor?
many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled, and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves bronze. You shall beat in pieces many people, and shall devote their gain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. All right. 13 verses. It is speaking about the latter days. And whenever it speaks about the latter days, it's not speaking just so that we might know what will happen, but it's trying to secure us in the fact that God has a plan. Is operating his plan and what be still and know that the Lord is God I believe in many ways that's the theme of this chapter and the sense of that is this that if you would wait for a while you will see that God's plan is going without a hitch so he talks about what it will be like in the latter days to give us hope to keep living in these days he talks about how the place of the Lord will be lifted up how everybody will go to it. Just like in the psalm that we just read, weapons of war will be destroyed and people will sit in peace. He says in verse 5, for all peoples walk in the, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. What he's saying is this, if you walk in the name of the Lord, we will have peace. Now, the promise is first offered in the first five verses of prosperity, but then in verse 6, you start to see that God's desired them to go through a hard time. Look what he says in verse 6. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. That's an interesting verse when he says, I will gather those I have afflicted. What does he mean by that? Well, he's saying this, that when we look at our troubles, God is not afraid to take ownership of our troubles because all things are done according to his will. If we go through bad things, it's not wrong for us to ask God why we're going through those things because it's him who decrees it. Nobody is stronger than God. Nobody can overwhelm the plan of God. So whatever we're going through is, in fact, the plan of God doesn't mean that everything we're going through is right doesn't mean everything we see will be good but it simply means this this is the plan of God it is not something that we need to be alarmed about it's still within his will he starts to talk about in verse 9 why do you cry aloud is there no king in you why do they cry aloud I think because they look for human kings he says, how's your counselor perished? Where well, I know the Holy Spirit is called our counselor in many ways. He's the one who comforts us. Has he died? Sometimes we as Christians, we can become like atheists when we look at our worries. And we look at all the cares of this world instead of the fact that we're still going according to God's plan. 
He says, writhe and groan. He's not encouraging the writhe and groan, but what he's saying is this is decreed by God that you will go through these hardships, and that you also would not suffer them well. But then in verse, in the verse 10, he says, there you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you. Verse 11, it talks about how the, word, the nations assemble against the people of God. But they do this because they don't understand God's plan. If you knew that God was setting you up for a plan of failure, would you do what he wanted you to do? So then in verse 13, he says this, and shall devote their gain to the Lord. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes that kind of says the same point. And the point is this, all riches go to God. Now follow this thought. How do we take our riches with us to heaven? Only by investing in the kingdom that's we're going to see, right? In the kingdom that we're going to see in heaven. So if we invest our wealth here, it's going towards heaven. It's not going away. But what happens to the rich person who dies it is not saved. Where does their wealth go? It stays here. And you could be Bill Gates, but if you got a billion dollars and you die, it stays here. You're just like Steve Jobs who died, and where did his wealth take him? It stayed here. And what happened to all that wealth? It went to other people. And what's going to happen to them? They're going to die, and it's going to stay here. And it's going to stay here as long as till what? God's kingdom is established. There's only two ways for you to inherit that wealth. One is you invest it in the kingdom of God right now, or the other one is you return when the earth is seized by Christ and we seize all those riches anyway. All riches ultimately will go to the kingdom of God. So let's be careful how we invest our riches, right? Let's make sure they're not going to be those that are seized by the kingdom of God rather those that we come when we die and we go to heaven and God says hey here's what you had in your bank account interest what you invested in my kingdom amen so let's remember that when we sometimes can envy the riches of those around us or maybe we can think of it another way their promotions their popularity their health we can envy that but at the end of the day all those things belong to us not to them amen everybody. So tonight what I want to pray about is it's Pastor's Appreciation Month, so I just am going to leave it open for whoever wants to pray. Um, prayer praise for our pastor. Um, I will let you pray. I will, if it goes silent and no one prays, I will wait a minute. If no one talks in that minute, then we will be done. Okay? So don't take too long if you wanted to pray. Just go right ahead. Okay? I'll close this up. Lord, we just lift up our pastor. We just um, praise you for giving us such a um, bold and caring man of God. Um, I just think of Brian talking about 
storing up our riches in heaven and here, and that's something what he did. He had training, he had a job where he could make a lot of money, and he turned aside from that in order to follow you and to be a pastor and to be able to spread your word, and that's because of what, that is what you called him to be, and he has followed it faithfully since then. We lift him up, Lord, as um, he is a man of God that stands boldly on your word. He continues to preach your word, and he continues to live a life of godly leadership um, in and outside of the church and at all times. He's uh, been a pastor that has been willing to um, serve your flock here as well as outside of the church. He's done something for almost everybody in here um, besides just preaching the word, which is more than has been asked of him. And we just know that he is a man that cares for your people, and he continues to um, guide and lead us and point us to a proper relationship with you, and we continue to just praise you for giving us such a pastor as this. We ask that you continue to bless him. We ask that you continue to strengthen him, continue to give him wisdom on um, your word and what you would have us to learn each and every Sunday, and just continue to bless him and continue to grow him, and we just praise you. We cannot say enough about our pastor. In your name we pray. Amen.